0: Today, greed and corruption take center stage in a new documentary exposing how the United States failed energy policy and the pillage of Western public lands by oil, gas and mining and uh, corporate cattle grazing is leading to the extinction of America's wild horses. In Disappointment Valley, a modern western, director James Kleinert documents the struggle of the wild horse, an animal that has long symbolized freedom and individualism in America. Once protected by the Free Roaming Wild Horse and Burrow Act of 1971, today the legislation is all but gutted, clearing the way for land use by corporate interests. The result is the removal and slaughter of the West's wild horses. Well, the director, James Kleinert, joins us on the line to talk about his film and uh, in two upcoming screenings taking place in Santa Barbara, one on Monday, February 8th and another on uh, February 11th, both in Santa Barbara. With over 10 years of filmmaking and six documentaries, James Kleinert continues to release film projects dealing with American Indian stories as well as environmental and action sports themes. Uh, from his company, Moving Cloud Productions, his short film *Wild Horse Spirit* was part of the Emmy Award-winning show *Natural Heroes*, which aired on PBS. Kleinert's driving force is to empower the human spirit, mind, and body in a harmonious nature, and he joins us this morning to uh, talk about his new documentary. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning.
0: Thank you uh, so much for joining us this morning, and uh, congratulations on the new documentary. It's uh, too bad that uh, the story isn't perhaps more positive. Um, why don't you tell our listeners, it's, it's quite an interesting story, um, how you discovered the subject matter for Disappointment Valley. So if you could yes. maybe begin by sharing that, because I think that that's a, a pretty interesting, uh, I don't want to call sure. it serendipitous, but it's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, finishing a uh, feature documentary film that I was working on uh, called Spirit Riders, in which I was documenting um, the Lakota's uh, peace and unity rides to Wounded Knee, and I had spent uh, quite a deal of time out in the Lakota Nation going through that experience, and uh, I wanted to get some shots uh, for that film, Wild Horses, to, you know, kind of uh, connect with how the West used to be for, you know, B-roll footage in that film, and I found myself out in Wyoming one day, this was uh, in November of 2003, documenting a wild horse roundup, and I was very shocked at what I witnessed, and I documented quite a brutal roundup, and immediately I began to have questions and concerns about what was going on, and that Roundup has changed the course of my life for the last seven years. And it was kind of eerie, too, because having just spent so much time in the Lakota Nation and, you know, hearing stories from the elders, you know, about the genocide committed to American Indians, the buffalo, and, and that type of thing, and then you know stepping over and witnessing basically the annihilation of the American wild horse, uh, you know, it was... It, it was basically mind-blowing to step from, you know, that into the wild horse situation.
0: And so you're just looking for, you know, as you say, B-roll footage, which I'm sure listeners know is, you know, kind of the, you know, the external shots or the, the landscape shots in between, you know, dialogue and, and so forth, and, and looking for wild horses, you just happened upon one of these roundups?
1: No, um, I had to go through a permitting process through the Bureau of Land Management, and um, I was was living in Jackson Hole, Wyoming at the time, and there was a big article in the Jackson Hole local newspaper about this massive wound-up campaign that was beginning that year in 2003. Um, What many people may not know is that in 2001, uh, the BLM obtained a 50% increase in their annual budget for implementation of an aggressive removal campaign, which basically uh, started right after that, during the Bush years. And we've seen that continue on, you know, to present day right now. Uh, Currently, as we sit here and are talking about this, the Calico Complex, so uh, herd management area up in northern Nevada is under siege by the BLM right now. They've killed, I believe, over 40 horses in the last couple weeks in the Roundup, um, they're, basically they want to get rid of them up there because they are putting in what is called the Ruby Pipeline, it's a $3 billion project uh, running natural gas from Wyoming and uh, northwest Colorado through Utah, uh, Nevada, uh, and uh, up into Oregon. And that's that's kind of the heart of wild horse country uh, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing... Uh, Basically, when these big companies come in and extract, they have to uh, make it through the environmental impact statement. And if you have a wildlife species that's out there, it slows things down. So what we're seeing is, is, you know, these corporations combined with the BLM, they're getting out front of the environmental impact statement trying to get rid of the horses before they have to go through this, this filing and permitting process. Um so, so, yeah, it's,
0: it, it's like, almost its almost literally the, the wagon drawing the horse. I mean, they're trying to get rid of the problem before the corporate interests have to state what the impact on the horses is going to be. If there are no horses, then there's no need to talk about the impact. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Well, yeah, that's one thing that we're seeing is, you know, if you can eliminate problems before they become problems, um, yeah, then it, it, it makes... Uh, you know their campaign of extraction and uh, you know these types of things much easier uh, than if if the animals are there when they file for the environmental impact statement.
0: We're speaking with James Kleiner. He is the director of Disappointment Valley, a modern western. We're talking about the uh, roundup and uh, extermination of. Uh, America's wild horses by uh, the Bureau of Land Management or the the BLM. Let's give our listeners a bit of uh, historical background so so we could see how we got to the place that we are. Um, so uh, in the intro, we talked about the free roaming wild horse and uh, it, it's Burrow, right? I'm pronouncing it right. Whenever I see the two R's, I get confused. The Borough Act of yeah. 1971. Um, I guess it's all my, my years of taking Spanish classes, but, uh, so, uh, what was the act's intent, uh, back in 1971 and what's happened to the act since then?
1: Well, you know, back in 1971, uh, more letters poured into Congress over the threat to our nation's wild horses, uh, more than any other letter writing campaign in the history of the United States, except for the Vietnam war. And, uh, Congress unanimously passed the Wild Free Roaming Horse and Burrow Act, declaring wild horses and burros are living symbols of the historic and pioneer spirit of the West and that they contribute to the diversity of life forms within the nation and enrich the lives of the American people. Um, you know, so they, they saw them as a symbol of, of you know, our freedoms, uh, history of the West, um, and you know it was it was a beautiful thing to see that past back in those days. Prior to that, horses were being hunted for their meat; uh, they were nonprotected. protected. You know, these are the creatures that this country that you know their backs. This country was built upon, and um, you know now we, we jump ahead uh, to where we are today. And uh, as I think you're you're aware, uh, Jared, uh, uh, Senator Burns slipped a rider to the 2005 federal appropriations bill uh, without an opportunity for review from members of Congress, and uh, what his rider did is it completely eviscerated that entire act of Congress, and it uh, took away a a lot of the protection that was given to our free-roaming wild horses and burros.
0: And so whose interests, uh, you know, which corporate interests does uh, the Burns Bill serve?
1: Well, you know, it it is a number of things. Um, There is roughly about 8 million cattle that graze on public lands in the American West. Um, If you Mm -hmm. remove horses, then that opens up uh, land for cattle grazing. But what we're seeing, though, is they'll let the cattle grazers go in but five, ten years down the road, are those cattle still there? Or have they been removed for overgrazing or, or something like that? And then who's there then? And it's usually the extractive industries, which is oil, gas, mining. And uh, to give you an example, um, Disappointment Valley is actually a geographic location. It's where, where I shot this film in southwest Colorado. And... Um, We did a very good job of documenting that herd and then removed over two-thirds of the herd. And eight months after they removed two-thirds of the herd, they put in over 120 uranium mining claims by foreign investors. Um, So, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of the rape and pillaging of our public lands for, you know, Big corporations, many of these corporations are foreign-owned.
0: You know, one of the things that that to me is just so striking is, um, and I think I put this in some of our email exchanges, but that it it seems almost inconceivable that an act uh, like uh, titled the Free Roaming Wild Horse and Burrow Act would be able to pass congress today or even in the past decade it's it it's so interesting that a bill like that was able to pass what was it during during the nixon administration and uh the film almost shows not just you know as you say it's it's not just about the horses uh it's kind of uh, there are broader themes that the 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 film raises could you talk about those
1: yeah you know uh The film is, you know, it's really a documentation of of what is happening to the American West, especially in the last, you know, eight, nine, ten years. Um, And also we have a historical part of the film where we flash back to uh, how the horse was integral in, you know, creating this country from both uh, a Native American perspective and, you know, the first ranchers and pioneers uh, all the way up through present time. Um, you know, um, to you know, talk a little bit more about you know the significance of that act and how it probably wouldn't happen today. Um, you know, because there's you had mentioned it before about the the energy policy. You know, we have a failed energy policy in this country. Uh, because we import so much foreign oil, because we haven't gone to to solar, to wind, to, you know, these other alternative energies. So now we're looking to the American West um, to supply a lot of these needs. And uh, one gentleman I interview, uh, Randy Udall, you know, he he talks about the American West. It's, it's like a Serengeti out there with, you know, real diverse wildlife forms all over. But most people don't know this. They haven't visited a lot of these remote public lands. They go on scene. And uh, he raises uh, the question. He's like, what are we going to have in 20 or 30 or 40 years from now? Are we going to have a biologically diverse ecosystem out there, or are we just going to have a carcass? You know, are they going to completely rape and pillage and, you know, have nothing but a wasteland? And, you know, so the film, you know, it really examines, you know, where we're going in the American West. And, like I say, I've I've done a, you know, very good job of documentation over the last uh, ten years on this subject matter. And we look at it from a lot of different angles. Um, so I hope that answers your question.
0: Well, yeah, and it, it seems like there's, you know, there are multiple interests involved i mean you've you've studied uh, and documented uh, you know uh, Native Americans um, to what extent i mean does that play a role? Are there um, horses that are uh, wild horses on um, you know uh, reservations, and does this cause you know disputes between the federal government and various tribes that you've looked at? Um, what other kinds of interest groups are getting involved to uh stop this roundup to to stop the roundup to stop the said. roundup
1: well we're you know to 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 see the or, or to look at the groups that are uh, stopping roundups um there there're more um organizations uh, uh, for example the cloud foundation uh, which is uh headed by Ginger Catherine. She's uh, an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker who's made several films on the subject matter. Um, you know, we're seeing just, you know, people who are really concerned about horses, who have a love for horses. We are seeing some environmental groups get involved with this as well, and, um, and I, I think, you know, people who live in the West who really have a concern about this, uh, I mentioned about the uranium mining in southwest Colorado. A lot of people who live there, you know, do not want to see uh, the, you know, this type of industry take off uh, for obvious reasons. Um, so, but as, as we know, a lot of these areas are very sparsely populated. So uh, the people out there... In many cases, don't have a loud voice. Um,
0: yeah. So uh in the time we have uh tell our listeners a bit about the film itself. I mean it's it's one thing to talk about the you know the issue of you know rounding up the horses and so forth but uh I trust that you've got some remarkable footage of the majesty of these animals and uh there are probably some amazing stories of of people who are dedicating their life to preserving uh Th- these resources and, and the West. So rather than, than end the interview, I want to note that, like, why would anybody want to go see such a depressing tale? I'm sure that uh, the Disappointment Valley has some, uh, is not all disappointing. So tell our listeners what to expect uh, if they go to uh, Santa Barbara and uh, then tell them how they could bring the, uh, the documentary to their town.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, um, the film was shot in high definition and it 's amazingly beautiful, uh, in fact, the majority of the film is you know incredible photography of horses in the wild. Um, I, we profile a couple of wild horse advocates who are out in the wild with the horses you know that the scenery, uh, the western landscapes, time lapse photography, wild horses—it's incredibly beautiful. The soundtrack is amazing. Uh, Robert Mirabald uh, from the Taos Pueblo does a lot of the soundtrack. Just amazing music in it. It's beautiful, beautiful m- uh, movie. You know, we do touch on these issues, which is leading to uh, the extermination of the wild horses. But you know, that's—I would say—that's only about a quarter of the film. Um, so I think people will really enjoy it. You know, if, if you love horses, if you love the American West, you'll, you'll really love this film. Um, if people want to bring this, uh, to their community, please go to my website, theamericanwildhorse.com. And, um, this is going to be our premiere here at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, and, uh, hopefully it'll be going to other festivals and uh, it would be great if it got picked up by a mainstream distributor, so the masses of Americans could see this and take action to write their congressmen and senators and call President Obama and demand a moratorium on all roundups and removals of Americans, America's wild horses, until you know Congress and the Senate can really evaluate the situation and make some good, sound decisions regarding our wild horses and public lands.
0: Great. And finally, if you can, uh, just tell our listeners a bit about Traveler.
1: (laughs) Well, Traveler is this amazingly beautiful, majestic monarch band stallion that uh, lives in Disappointment Valley. And in the summer of 2007, we documented traveler living peacefully and happily with his family and then comes along the Bureau of Land Management and their hired contractors and they do a uh, very hostile roundup of traveler and his family and traveler is removed to one of the short-term processing facilities. So, um, you know, we see this beautiful herd dynamic family unit. That is completely broken apart, and Traveler is taken away. Um, a lot of activists, people concerned for Traveler, got involved, and um, you know a lot of action was taken to uh, get uh, Traveler returned to Disappointment Valley, and you know prevent him from going to long-term holding or worse, possibly slaughter. And that's where I'm going to leave it. We're, we follow Traveler's story. And what happens
0: to him? The film is Disappointment Valley, a modern Western. It is uh, premiering uh, Monday, uh, February 8th and. Thursday, February eleventh in Santa Barbara, on Thursday the, uh, the viewing will be followed with a question and answer with Dr. Elliot Katz, the founder of Indefensive Animals, an organization that's been working on this issue and uh, Dr. Katz will be joining us in just a few minutes, so uh, I hope listeners will stay with us and we could talk more about the uh, the impact of the roundup of wild horses to find out more, you could go to the American Wild Horse. Dot com and uh, check out all the information and uh, do your best to try to bring it to your community. Uh, James Kleinert, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, good luck with the film.
1: Thank you so much, Jared, and I uh, hope people can see this very important film and Great. take action and save our wild horses and our public lands.
0: Me too. Take care. Okay. And, okay. and we will be back in just a couple of minutes to continue the conversation, taking a look at uh, activism around this issue. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll be joined uh, by Dr. Elliot Katz of In Defense of Animals. So stick around. This is KUCI's Justice or Just Us. And we're back on KUCI's Justice or Just Us. We are talking about the uh, Roundup of America's Wild Horses by the Bureau of Land Management. And we're joined now by Dr. Elliot Katz from In Defense of Animals, an organization that has been working to uh, prevent the Roundup of America's Wild Horses and uh, to look out for the welfare of animals on a number of issues. And uh, Dr. Katz joins us this morning. Good morning.
2: Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks so much for, uh, for being here. Uh, we just heard from uh, Director James Kleinert about how he discovered uh, about the actions of the Bureau of Land Management's Roundup of America's Wild Horses. How uh-huh. did indefensive Animals first discover this abuse?
2: Uh, I guess we started uh, getting involved some probably two three years ago with some um, with the roundups of wild horses in uh, Arizona, and uh, uh, we uh, threatened to file a lawsuit. And uh, for a while, actually, uh, when we threatened, they actually released thirty stallions that they had uh, had in the corral. Uh, eventually, I believe they they probably did it, but we did hold it off for several months. Uh, and then I guess uh, well, probably several months ago. I was invited in to take part in some discussions among um, a wild horse advocates out uh, in Nevada area, and they was they were doing about oh every couple of weeks uh, conference calls and so uh, and it was uh, mo- to a great extent they were made up of people who lived in Nevada or who were the attorneys who um, uh, actually had filed lawsuits to uh, attempt to stop various roundups in different locales because the BLM had been doing all of this piecemeal. So uh, after a while, uh, and it was clear that they were looking for uh, an organization or they're looking for an, an attorney uh, because it's uh, rather expensive and so forth to uh, to challenge the uh, go to court. So uh, fortunately, we had been working with a, a major law firm, and uh, uh, the attorney we've been working with is Bill Spriggs, and uh, his name of his law firm <laughs> uh, skips me right now, uh, and uh uh, we arranged to uh, to uh, uh, have him. Uh, he offered to take on with his his firm is the largest, the seventeenth largest in the United States, to take on and do a pro bono case for us. And so we filed a lawsuit against the uh, Bureau of Land Management. And the attorneys who were on these conference calls with uh, with me, they all sent their information in and their experiences and, and uh, in terms of their previous lawsuits. So and there was not much time when they were trying to stop the roundup of twenty five hundred wild horses in the calico range. So I think after hearing about it, somewhere after about within two weeks, uh, we filed that lawsuit. And uh, the the lawsuit was based on, after doing a lot of uh, research, and uh, you heard a little bit how the uh, the 1971 Act was uh, kind of uh, taken apart uh, over the years. Uh, but it was determined that the roundups themselves would actually be considered illegal because uh, the uh, uh, the roundups are required to be done uh, on the land itself. And so we challenged it in the courts. We actually asked for a temporary restraining order, which we did uh, not get, but the judge actually uh, kept the case going and uh, indicated that he felt we were in the right but and he asked the BLM, he didn't force them. He asked them if they would not, if they would stop the roundup. And unfortunately, they 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 are determined to move the wild the wild horses uh, for the most part out of those lands. And you have heard the reasons why in there with the earlier speaker. Uh, so uh, we the, we had the lawsuit is ongoing. Uh, it's going to be heard again by the judge uh, probably within the next uh, two or three weeks. Um, and, uh, and so there's a couple of elements one that the roundups are illegal and the other factor is that putting them into these holding uh, corrals uh, uh, holding areas uh, which is kind of cruel and inhumane I mean here you take you've got these beautiful animals that are used to uh, being with the, in their families uh, moving around and all of a sudden they're put into these small corrals and, uh, and it's uh, they separate them from their families they separate according to sexes, and then they uh, will either uh, give injections to some or, or, anyway, it's a mess. They just break the whole thing up, making it almost impossible for them to be ever returned back into the wild state and so the the, the effort is uh, to um, move move them uh their Salazar seeking millions of dollars to buy land more in the midwest uh, uh, uh and then move trying to move the horses uh, a few months back he said that uh, 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 he would have to uh, start killing them because they didn't have enough money to take care of. They got about 35000 that they rounded up. And he was saying uh, that they uh, didn't have the money to uh, feed the horses. So in, instead of saying, okay, we're going to put a hole in the moratorium on collecting more that, so they don't have enough money with the current uh, Obama uh, you know where we end with the state of the economy they still have been collecting thousands more even though they said if a couple of months back they didn't have the money to feed the ones they had I mean the the it's a, this is a just a Totally boondoggle. It's a it's a repeat of what was done to the Native Americans when they gave them when they broke uh, 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 they broke treaties with them. They discover something on the reservations where they gave, them, and then they move them off of those. I mean, it's the same situation over and over again. That's what's been what our government oftentimes does with uh, minorities or uh, 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 individuals who can't represent their interests. And it's going on in this case with the wild horses, which, which symbolizes freedom and, and uh, the free spirit. And they're rounding them up, breaking their spirits. And on uh, some levels, probably breaking the spirits of a great many people who, who, who wanted to see and were promised, the American public were promised that these horses would be given these lands to, to roam free and, uh, and represent the icons of, of the West. Anyway, I'll, I'll take a breath and let you.
0: <laughs> no, the, you, you you touched upon so many of the things that I, that I um, had wanted you to. I mean, just so w- listeners understand exactly what's happening, um, because we've been we've been talking around the issue, but we haven't really focused on it. Take our listeners through a roundup. How are the horses? Uh, I don't know if we want to call it corralled. How are they gathered? <clears throat> um you know. and some and, and
2: some people some people call these uh, uh, these uh, 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 corrals they're rather large corrals because they're bringing in hundreds or thousands of horses uh, uh, they uh, some people call them internment camps uh, as was done to uh, uh, the Japanese uh, during World War two some people have much stronger uh, uh, descriptions of it uh, uh, the, what they do is uh, they go out and they use helicopters and, uh, to round up the horses, and that in itself is terrifying to the horses. So the helicopters chase the horses. Uh, they chase them usually sometimes over 10 miles of rough, dangerous terrain, sometimes icy terrain in the wintertime. And so animals fall. Uh, there's injuries. Uh, the latest right now from the latest roundups over the past few weeks, uh, there's 20, approximately 23 to 26 horses have died. Uh, and uh, another, approximately a little bit more than twenty, have, uh, have bo- aborted uh, when uh, because of the stress on them they were pregnant and they aborted uh, their fetuses uh, once they got into the corrals. I mean, it's it, it, we've been documenting it. We've been having uh, getting uh, planes to fly over with video and having people in there with video cameras documenting all the cruelty that's going on. Uh, but you know, the public hasn't. Seen it, and uh and there's so many other tragedies that have uh, overshadowed us, such as the haiti situation uh that it it's not getting obviously the play that's necessary to really uh, uh get the public to be uh, to realize just how cruel inhumane stupid waste of textiles everything you can put on it and it, unfortunately it is the uh, it is the obama administration they're the one who hired uh, who brought in it as the, the uh, Ken uh, uh, Salazar, who's a cattleman, uh, who's 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 doing this whole thing, as you heard earlier, to to take off the wild horses, put put cattle on there, and then eventually uh, the cattle sometimes are taken off to so for mining or gas uh, drilling interests or various other things. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the worst of the worst of, of whether from the Nixon administration or, or any other administration that has been devious and misrepresenting the truth and basically lying to the public. The BLM goes on record saying... There's really not a nece- uh, an extreme necess- uh, necessity to do this now, but yet they keep doing it, and they, they indicate that the horses are starving and uh, they're doing it for the sake of the horses, and nothing could be a bigger lie. I mean, it's just lie, 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 and I think many people are, are at this point know that our, our government does tend to lie to us, and uh, it's uh, it's a shame. Uh, but in this case, it's so blatant. Uh, 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 and I'm a veterinarian, and I've seen the videos. I've seen the roundups. Uh, uh, you know that we've uh, documented and, well, and we it's, should, it's it's hideous.
0: And we should let listeners know that they could see some of the video at uh, idausa. That's In of Animals USA. dot org. You know, it's interesting because I was looking at at some of the clips uh, yesterday, and uh, certainly my colleagues and friends are, are accustomed to me sending. Uh, you know, undercover investigations of, uh, you know, egg uh, you know, egg farms or dairy or or, or whatnot, and they're they're used to seeing uh, well, you know, the worst of the worst and when we were viewing the the roundups, you don't have the kind of um, gore, if you will, that uh, some of these other video clips have and yet it's equally disturbing. You've got a horse that you see just Seconds before in this clip, running free, now being caged is the only way to, to put it in uh, in a metal box. And the horse has has no. I mean, if anyone's claustrophobic, I mean, forget about it. Right. The horse yep. has no clue why it's being contained in this thing, and it's kicking and bucking for you know for life just to get out of this thing.
2: Yeah, there's one horse. Uh, uh, we named him Freedom. Uh, it's a black stallion. Uh, when he was brought in, he he ju- finally jumped over a six foot uh, uh, fence and then uh, crashed through the barbed wire and it tore through his flesh. But he broke free, and that's why we call him calling Freedom. I mean, but <clears throat> it's uh, it's a, it's a, just a tragic situation, and and it would be good, We it would be a lot gorier and more. Uh, the, the, the visuals be much more tragic if we were really allowed uh, to see what the realities, because uh, we're constrained unless we hire, you know, the planes as we have to really document what is actually going on. They keep, uh, they do some of the roundups on private lands, and they keep uh, keep uh, us away from really getting up close and taking close shots. Uh, it would be it would have been gory if we were able to document the uh, 20 aborted uh, fetuses, uh, the, you know, that. Would have been very shocking um, so uh, so it's uh, it's difficult because they're doing everything they can to uh, they initially said yes we could the uh, uh, first they said no then we said we have a right to see it And they said okay you can come and see it this one time and we refuse and say no not one time when you're going to make it look like everything's fine we want to see it every day so, it's, and so they've much, done everything they, they've done everything they can to to keep the horrors away from the public
0: all right and so much for uh, a new era of transparency in the federal government of course
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's about as untransparent and about as uh, as as uh, misrepresenting the truth. And and this this is who was hired on by Obama. I mean, he's he's doing uh, trying to do some good things for the uh, uh, for uh, for uh, the human population. Uh, but when it comes to uh, the other species, in this case, the horses or other species, he's a disaster.
0: Well, let's open up the discussion a little bit and uh, see how uh, this issue fits in with some of the larger issues that uh, IDA focuses on. Uh, You know, this seems like it's part of a pattern of animals being treated as, uh, whether it's commodities or just (coughs) non-sentient entities. You know, talk about our... Talk about human-animal relations and what we need to do to, to recognize the worth of animals.
2: Well, the one one thing, we uh, we have a campaign, and it's called the Guardian Campaign, to for people to no longer uh, think and act as the, in this case with our animal companions, since millions and millions of people have dogs and cats, to not think of them as commodities and property and uh, objects and things. Uh, and... Uh, Uh, And so uh, we're urging people to think and act as the guardians, the protectors of their animals, and no longer use the term owner. And at this point, 17 cities, including uh, San Jose, San Francisco, St. Louis, Bloomington, Indiana, and Boulder, Colorado, uh, have uh, actually included the term in their animal-related ordinances, uh, because they've seen the, the... The Board of Supervisors or City Councils have seen the value in changing that paradigm because until we, we recognize that we are one species among many, uh, it's sort of like uh, in quotes the the Caucasians or we call them white people now uh, recognize that there was that there was people of other value that had uh, different colored skins and they shouldn't be kept as slaves or, or women because they are different sexes shouldn't be kept as the property of their husbands so this is another this is one more of those uh, of a, uh, some levels of civil rights problem is that to see and, and recognize that other species deserve to be treated with respect and dignity and not just thought of as only resources or property to be done with whatever one wants, uh, and that's that's it's important. If we, for, from my perspective as a veterinarian, as an animal activist now for about over twenty, 20 close to thirty years, that uh, that we're on some level spitting in the wind, putting Band-Aid cures on until we really get the public to start thinking of other species as more than just, as I say, resources, property objects or things for the benefit of the human species.
0: So tell our listeners about uh, In Defense of Animals. Give, give an overview of your organization and what are some of the key campaigns right now that you're, you're working on besides, you know, uh, the change, uh, change,
2: changing the garden changing the paradigm of how we relate to other species yeah, yeah. Um, well obviously we we touch on all of the various uh, areas where animals are so terribly exploited uh, by corporations or by the government, and that ranges from what takes what how they 're uh, so severely and cruelly treated in, in research laboratories or in fur farms or, or in factory farms uh, or in the circuses or in the zoos So we 've been the leading uh, Uh, organization about exposing how uh, elephants in zoos have suffered so terribly for foot uh, ending up with foot rot and a uh, severe arthritis, and then going crippled and and had lying down and not getting up in the zoo. Saying, "Oh, I guess they died of heart failure rather than uh, having to been on small areas of concrete for years and getting their feet to rot out." Uh, so you know, it's every one of those uh, businesses, corporations, or in the government agencies tend to misrepresent, misrepresent the realities, and, and the public, you know, for the most part, they're uh, they're, they're most of the time, unfortunately, willing to accept the uh, rationalizations of uh, uh, of the uh, corporations or governments who do these things. We uh, we we also have a, <coughs> a chimpanzee sanctuary. <coughs> chimpanzee sanctuary in Cameroon Africa where there's uh, close to 70 baby and adult chimpanzees. They're all orphans of the bushmeat trade there and we're trying to stop the working with people like Jane Goodall trying to stop the killing uh, uh, the, the cutting down of the forests and uh, and the killing of the chimpanzees uh, and the bushmeat traders. Uh, uh, there's still people who are in certain parts of the world enjoy eating <coughs> uh, wildlife such as chimpanzees and so forth. So we have that we have a uh, <clears throat> veterinary clinics and ambulance services in Mumbai, India, uh, to take care of the uh, thousands of street animals. We spay and neuter about 12, ten thousand. Dogs and cats a year. We have three ambulances go out and treat the animals. And some it's sometimes it's livestock, cows, and it's the uh, it's the uh, donkeys and the mules that uh, pull the uh, pull the uh, the carts and so forth. We have a 64 acre sanctuary in Missus Rural, Mississippi. Uh, that takes care of again abuse and abandoned animals, uh, and the, the animals range from dogs, cats, horses, uh, pigs, uh, emus—the whole range of, of, uh, of, uh, of animals that uh, in rural areas are, are, are off, most of the oftentimes certainly down in that area. Uh, there's not in the, there's not adequate sensitivity to their needs. And so that uh, that is, uh, we have uh, staff around the country. We have an office up in uh, Portland. We have uh, our main offices in uh, 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 Central San Rafael. And uh, basically, it's uh, it's, as I founded the organization some twenty six years ago, and. Uh, and I, I don't know, I guess the end of veterinary profession sees me as a renegade <laughs> because I care deeply about uh, animals and not just um, uh, uh, treating animals because they're resources and how to make money or how to, uh, how to, how to abuse and, uh, and keep them alive until they're ready to be killed.
0: And if listeners want to uh, get involved either in the campaign to uh, stop the roundup of wild horses or to find out more about indefensive animals, where they turn?
2: Yeah, our, our website is www.idausa.org. If people want to reach me directly, uh, my email address is emk at idausa.org. They want to call me, they have, or our office number. They can call the office is four one five four four eight zero zero four eight. And we do have volunteer corps of people, and people, whether it's helping uh, document what goes on in zoos or, or in laboratories, we've worked closely with whistleblowers in the past. We've closed down the largest uh, chimpanzee research center in the world, of uh, just a few. Just a few years back, and we've and got uh, hundreds of chimpanzees and monkeys free from the horrors they were experiencing at the hands of the researchers. Uh, so uh, we we work with people within the system, <clears throat> we work with people outside of the system to expose uh, the realities and uh, and bring it to enough attention of enough people so that the public <clears throat> uh, uh, finally uh, bouts to the demands of caring and compassionate people.
0: And, of course, you will be uh, at the Thursday screening of uh, Disappointment Valley for a question-and-answer session. So yeah, I'll let,
2: I'll let James know about our lawsuits since he wasn't aware of that in the earlier conference. <laughs> well, there you go.
0: So uh, we will uh, certainly uh, keep listeners up to date, and uh, maybe we can have you back soon to tell us, uh, to give us a status report on your efforts.
2: Sure, and I I really appreciate uh, where you're coming from, and and, uh, thank you for uh, having this program.
0: Thank you so much, and uh, good luck with the campaign.
2: Thank you so much.
0: And uh, we will be back to wrap up
1: just after this quick musical break. It's KUCI's Justice or Just Us.